2 Corinthians, chapter 8, starting at verse 7. Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there may be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written, He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. I thank God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he's coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. And we are also sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering, which we administer in order to honor the Lord himself and show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. In addition, we are sending with them our brother, who has often proved to us in many ways that he is zealous and now even more so because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the churches and an honor to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you, so that the churches can see it. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel is written in the fifth chapter of the Gospel according to St. Mark, beginning at the 21st verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers, named Jairus, came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet 
and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking round to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing aloud. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he had put them all out, He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talita kom, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes this morning that we might understand your word today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in this morning's gospel passage, we find that two stories have been woven together in a way that help us understand the nature of faith. And from these stories, we can see that the most important thing for Mark is the object of faith, which he presents in relation to its purpose and function. It's been said that the value of faith is the object in which it's placed. And Mark doesn't waste any time highlighting that the object of faith in both these stories is the person of Jesus. And he does this by initially setting the scene on the beach. 
with Jesus surrounded by a large crowd of people, into which comes Jairus, and, no doubt much to everyone's surprise, he falls at Jesus' feet and pleads earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. This humble acknowledgement of need is plain for all to see, and it clearly demonstrates Jairus' faith in Jesus, whose response we read in verse 24 is immediate. So Jesus went with him. A similar drama unfolds involving the woman who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Deemed unclean by the law, she'd been shunned by society. Unable to integrate with her community, and unlike Jairus, who spent all his time in the synagogue, she wasn't even allowed there. We're told she'd suffered a great deal. No doctor could cure her. She'd spent everything and had only got worse. This story has a familiar ring to it. Many today suffer the consequences of being misled or manipulated. But just as the suffering is the same today, so is the cure. The woman heard about Jesus, and the instant she reaches out to him, she's freed from her suffering. Your faith has healed you, says Jesus to the woman. His message is clear, and so that we can see that the purpose of placing faith in Jesus is to receive healing from Jesus. The woman's healing means that she's no longer impure, so now she can reintegrate with her family and friends. She can even go to the synagogue. Having placed her faith in Jesus, she not only receives physical healing, but emotional and spiritual healing as well. What's more, we can see from Jesus' words that this is a once-for-all-time healing, an instant cure with a lasting effect. Jesus says to the woman, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Other versions render this as be whole or be healed. It's translated from the Greek word that elsewhere in the New Testament means to be saved. The healing the woman's received from Jesus has transformed her way of being. No longer is she defined by what she used to be. From now on, she's to be defined by her new status. She's to be healed. We can also see that Jairus' faith in Jesus has the same purpose. Please, come and put your hands on my little daughter, says Jairus to Jesus, so that she will be healed and live. But while the purpose is the same, a slightly different dimension can be seen here. A couple of weeks ago, our children were all baptized here at St. Andrew's. And as part of the service, parents and godparents are given the opportunity to declare their faith in Jesus, affirming on behalf of the children that they will receive Jesus' promise of forgiveness and new life. In a similar sort of way, uh, Jairus declares his faith in Jesus, affirming on behalf of his daughter that she will be healed and live. But it's not the faith of Jairus or the parents and godparents that's being commended. The value of their faith is that it's objectively placed in the Lord Jesus, and so honor is due only to him. And although some may carry the shield of faith for another for a while, they don't supply the faith while Jesus supplies the new life. Both faith and healing are gifts from God, 
And with these gifts comes the God-given responsibility to use them. And it's here that we find the function of faith coming to the surface of the text. Go in peace, says Jesus to the woman. Be freed from your suffering. Be healed. And so we can see here the difference between the purpose of faith and the function of faith is the same as the difference between what we are and what we do. So if the purpose of faith in Jesus is to receive healing from Jesus, then the function of faith is to live life for Jesus. It's what confirms the healing and expresses it by going in peace. What's more, it's an imperative. Go in peace. In a similar way, Jesus says to Jairus, do not fear, only believe. Here, in the middle of all the commotion, the only thing that's required of Jairus is belief. Don't stop believing in me now, encourages Jesus. Don't be distracted by this seemingly impossible situation you're currently experiencing. Only believe. So, to go in peace and not fear, whatever the situation, is to live for Jesus. And witnessing a life lived like this is a bit like hearing the inspirational performance of a virtuoso musician one who's devoted their lives to the daily discipline of practice. And just as the virtuoso is always practicing their instrument, so a life of peace is constantly practiced by placing faith in the Lord Jesus. And it's by witnessing performances of this quality that others are inspired when they hear the music. One such inspirational performance I had the privilege of witnessing was the life lived by a good friend, someone I'd always known, my first music teacher and pastor. And on one of the occasions that I went to visit him shortly before he died, I arrived at his home to discover that he was no longer able to look after himself. His Alzheimer's had clearly advanced too weak even to hold a book to read. I had the temerity to ask him what he did all day, to which he responded with characteristic humility, I spend it with the Lord. <laughs>